Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show with your host, Autumn Miles. Autumn is an author, speaker, wife, and mother. She's the founder and CEO of The Blush Network and the author of Appointed. Autumn's vision is to engage our culture with the bold truth of God coupled with raw faith. Now here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey, this is Autumn with The Autumn Miles Show. How are you guys doing out there today? We took a little bit of a break. And it feels good to be back in the studio. Dan dressed up for me today. He's got a, what is that thing called? A jacket. <laughs> He's got a jacket on today. He's looking, looking dapper, you know. I love that. We, we are back and have an incredible story for you today. If you just need to be encouraged in your walk, maybe you feel like you're having a bad day, week, year, decade. This The show is going to encourage you, um, and I am so excited to introduce my guest in just a second. Uh, I wanted to personally invite you. I know I, t- I typically do several PSAs, but um, I, I want to personally invite you to my church next, no, this week, this week for Easter Sunday. Um, let me tell you something. Uh, my husband and I started going to Shoreline City about six years ago went actually the very first official Sunday uh, that they had. And um, we absolutely have fallen in love with this house uh, that, that God has brought us to Um, shoreline city has just meant the world to my husband. and I have been so supportive of, of just what, what I'm doing and what he's doing. Um, uh, The pastors, pastor Earl and pastor Onika are just absolutely unbelievable and uh, the spirit of God is there. We are um, just overwhelmed every week. My husband serves on staff there um, just every week as we see the growth and we see just the favor of God and um, the anointing of God um, all all over uh, the, the, the church. I, I want to personally invite you. Uh, I know Friday is Good Friday and um, they are going to have two services at five and six o'clock, I believe on Good Friday, PM. They also will have multiple services on Easter Sunday. The website is shorelinecity.church. I think it would confuse you if I gave you all the website times, okay? Shorelinecity.church. If you do not have a church home, and you are looking for a place to go, man, we, we would love for you to be our guest, um, either on Good Friday or on Easter Sunday morning. There is no better time to get back into church. If you're, you've been out of church, there is no better time, um, to re-engage with, uh, the gospel and, um, really uh, sort of resurrect yourself emotionally and maybe spiritually than on Easter Sunday. I personally became a Christian on Easter Sunday morning. And um, man, uh, my life was just forever changed because of that. So um, we want to invite you out to my church, to my home. Uh, it's funny, I'll, I travel and I'll come back and I'll be like, man, this is home. Um, what, we just We just love it so much. So shorelinecity.church. The theme of the weekend is impossible. Impossible, guys. Impossible. God is not dead. He is alive. He is living. And he literally raised himself from the dead. Um, So the whole theme of the the 
weekend will be impossible. If you are facing something that is impossible, join us, shorelinecity.church. You also can follow along on like Instagram, Facebook, you know, all that kind of stuff. But man, we would just absolutely love for you to join my my church. Um, if you do not have another church home, of course, we want to respect all churches out there. If you don't want to come, um, find a place of worship near you. If Shoreline is going to be too far of a drive, um, find a place of worship near you. Um, there's something special about worshiping um, on Easter Sunday morning. I love it. I remember going to sunrise services. Dan, did you ever go to a sunrise service growing up on Easter yes. Sunday? Yeah, weren't those the best? I don't feel like a lot of people do those anymore. I did not realize that people were still doing those. Me either. They need to do them. They need to do them more, right? Uh, absolutely, I would go. But I, right? Yeah. I remember we would we would set up in a um. It was maybe this is kind of morbid, but in a cemetery. Oh. We would have our sunrise service in the cemetery, and I think just like the the whole visual of. Jesus resurrecting from yeah, the dead. Yeah. We would we would sit in the in a mausoleum for like fifteen years growing up. My dad was maybe I should ask my dad. He was the pastor of the church. Why do we? Do, I think that was just the symbolism there. But don't you think that's just so powerful? Uh, very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And then someone would stand up and sing Sandy Patty. Uh, what was those songs that were so good? He's alive. Yeah. I clearly I'm not a singer, but uh, you know. Anyway, it was amazing. So. Sorry, Dan, to put you on the spot no, I love there. It. Um, go to church on Sunday. We we love you guys so much. Okay, let me get to my guest because I've I've talked a lot. Uh, this this lady, her name is Lisa Brackbill. She has written a book, Even So Joy, uh, with her husband, and um, they have such an incredible story. So I want to welcome her to the show. Welcome to the show, Lisa. How are you? I'm doing well. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, we're just so honored to be able to steward your, hopefully we'll steward your story um, well. Now, the name of the book is called Even So Joy. And um, it's so interesting of a title because it's like, even so, joy. No matter what, joy. No matter what is happening to you or um or or has happened or is going to happen or is currently happening choose joy so um i was really attracted to the title of this book but also um the story so tell me lisa why you wrote the book even so joy i definitely never thought that i would write a book but i also never thought that i would lose a child and so god just kind of made us do it. (laughs) Um, But no one ever has a child expecting to lose them. No one ever expects for their faith to be tested like we see in the Bible over and over again with Abraham, with Joseph, with Job. I mean, the list goes on. And all of those examples chose to grasp onto their faith instead of run away from it when things didn't go right. And so we decided to tell our daughter's story. And obviously it's our story as well um, about how we decided that we were not going to run from this, that we were going to live a life of joy despite facing a parent's worst nightmare. So tell me a little bit about what happened. Um, you uh, t- Tell me just a little bit about um, the object of the book, your daughter. 
So Victoria was born on July 30th, 2014, and we had no reason to think that anything was wrong. She was healthy and beautiful and always happy. And it wasn't until she turned five months old that something was evidently very wrong. It was like a switch had flipped, and she became a totally different child. She was screaming all the time and wasn't eating. And so we went through a couple weeks of trying to, you know, diagnose what was going wrong. And the whole time as the pediatrician would have ideas, I just I just knew that wasn't it. Mm. I never thought that she was going to have a terminal diagnosis, but I knew it wasn't reflux. It wasn't these other little things. And so sure enough, about six weeks later, when she was six months old, she was diagnosed with having crabbe leukodystrophy. It's spelled K-R-A-B-B-E. <laughs> um it is a terminal genetic disease, so both my husband and I carried the mutation, and we had no idea. Oh, um, so we were told on Friday, February 13th, that our daughter was dying. And dying is not a word that should describe anyone's six-month-old child. So oh. it was earth-shattering, to say the least. Um, I remember just feeling completely numb. Like, to the point where I couldn't pray for a couple of days because I just, I just had to sit there, like, mm. and try to grasp what was going on. Especially because at the same time, medical equipment was being introduced into our home and all this stuff that we also had to deal with. And so it was probably about a month into diagnosis when my husband and I decided, you know what, like, she deserves more than us being numb and um, just... I don't know. Like, we, that's when we made the decision that we were going to live life with her and that she was going to experience as much as she possibly could, even though her life expectancy was less than two years okay, of age. So, so Lisa, let me, um, let me just back up here for a second. So you, and, and it's my understanding that this is your first child. Is that right? That Tori was your uh, yeah. first child. Okay. So you... You got pregnant, and I know they do a lot of testing and stuff like that. I've had two biological kids myself, so um, they do a lot of testing. And then even after their the babies babies are born, they do a lot of testing. So this um, I don't I don't even want to pronounce it, uh, so I don't mess it up. But um, so this disease was not detected in pregnancy or or after Tori was born. Is that right? That is right. Crabbe is a rare disease, and only six states currently include it on their newborn screening. Really? Oh, my goodness. So she's totally fine for five months. She's like a normal mm-hmm. child, normal baby. Six months. Is, is that when, if a baby is diagnosed with this Crabbe, is that, is that when they start showing symptoms? They typically do start showing symptoms between four to six months of age. Okay. And so you take her to the doctor six weeks. She is, and they, and they tell you, okay, this is not reflux. This is, your baby is dying. <laughs> um, I have four kids myself, Lisa, and I think um, I speak for all moms. That That is literally the worst nightmare, I think, Um uh, that, that any mom could have. Um, so you decide that, that, uh, she, she, you're not, you're not going to like be numb. You're going to sort of, um, make the most of the time that you have left. 
Um, wh- with God, you said, you know, it's really hard. It was hard to pray. So you didn't. Um, I think that that's so real and so okay. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, would, would try to fake strength. Um, I think that's a really, really powerful word. Listen, I couldn't, I felt numb. I was heartbroken. And so I, I just, I just was for a couple of days. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's really, really powerful. How was your husband during, uh, right after the diagnosis? He, I will say on diagnosis day, seeing him break down was probably the hardest part of the day. Not only was I trying to deal with this, but my normally strong extroverted husband just breaking down in tears and, oh gosh, even I'm emotional. Um, I think that was the hardest part, but because he is more extroverted than me, he was able to help with the guests that came by and like just he was able to get through all of that so that I didn't really have to. Like I could just sit there and hold Tori and um mm. so he did deal with it in his own way, but we did deal with it similarly and I think that helped. Mm. So how long of a lifespan did they say that she would have um after she was diagnosed? They said that she could, well, she definitely wouldn't live to be two, but that it would probably be closer to 13 months of age. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So tell me about the time when you were like, listen, our daughter is worth more than us being numb. What did you do from, from then on? We decided that we were going to, even just in our, our daily life, live with more joy because babies know. They know when you're stressed out. And mm. even though she was unable to express most emotion. Like one of the first things that Aziz took from her was her smile and she never smiled again. Mm. Um, we knew that she knew that we were stressed out and we didn't want her to live like that. We're like, if you only have this many months on this earth and we want you to feel loved and joy. And so we created a bucket list that took us all over the country actually. And it was exhausting. But we took her to places like Disney World, thanks to a generous foundation. We took her to the Grand Canyon. She went to my home state of California with us a few times. We, but we also did little things, like things every kid should do, like play in a mud puddle and things like that. And we have no idea how much she got out of it. But if nothing else, we have memories. Mm. And we have thousands of pictures of us doing these, these life things with her, despite the fact that she was ill and we yeah we just had to deal with that part of it while also choosing joy so <laughs> this is amazing so you you find out she's she's going to pass and and at that point um you thought it would be closer to 13 months so you had a probably about seven months um that you knew of that you would would have her and so you did just a baby bucket list. That is mm-hmm. incredible. Um, so you go to Disney, Grand Canyon, California. What did that do for your heart to um, sort of take your precious child around all of these uh, places? It was so good for us. Even though, like I said, it was not easy because she did not sleep well ever. And then the more 
medical equipment that we started having to use with her just made it harder to travel. Things so she wasn't on oxygen until the last about four months of her life. So that was one last thing. Mm. But it was so good for us to just kind of feel normal. Mm. Like we're normal parents. This is a normal thing, taking your kids to do things. And like I said, now we have thousands and thousands of pictures and videos to remember those times with her instead of just staying cooped up in our house grieving for her the whole time. Um, I mean, I will say that that first month is when we grieved the hardest. Mm. Diagnosis day was the hardest day of our lives. But after that first month, we actually did enjoy our life with her. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. So talk to me about where is God and what, uh, what happened to your faith during this whole time? You know, you're traveling around the country and um, enjoying your, your life and um, trying to live her life to the fullest. Talk to me about God. You know, what do you do with your relationship with Christ when y- you have him? You know you know how powerful he is. Um, what did that do to your faith, Lisa? I would say that it definitely strengthened it. I have been a Christian since I was eight, born and raised in church, and so I had built even unknowingly, I had built this foundation of faith throughout my life because, I mean, I think that's why the Bible talks about having childlike faith. You hear something and you're like, oh, yeah, that's just how it is. God is this way. So when this happened to us, even though it's something we never saw coming, we had a choice to make. Do we believe in the God of the Bible? Do we believe in his character and what his promises say? Or are we going to just choose to disregard it now that things are not ideal. Mm. And I'm so thankful for that foundation of faith because we went through a phase where we were obviously desperately praying for her healing, and we had people praying all over the world for her healing, and that's kind of what we focused on, like, he's going to heal her here. But then God started changing my heart about it, and he said, but what if I don't? Mm. And so it forced us to really think through, like, okay, there actually is a Mercy Me song out about this now. Yes, I know. Um, I know it well. Yeah, so God is able to do this. He is, but what if he doesn't choose to? And we decided, especially the further along the disease progressed and we saw how her body was breaking down and she was just miserable, it became easier and easier to say, okay, if you are not going to heal her here, we know that she will be healed in heaven. And we know that that is where we will be someday. It's just a temporary separation. And so we had to really focus on what lies ahead. And I think that's what made this whole journey even easier because we all are are built to go to heaven. Like, that's why we're, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that's how we were created. So why shouldn't we be excited? And, yeah, we only have her here for 20 months, but in what's going to feel like, the blinking of an eye, we will join her again in heaven, and she'll be able to do all these things that she is doing, Mm. (laughs) all these things she could never do here. And so by reframing this journey and focusing on that, remembering who God is, who his character is, um, it honestly just made it so much easier. I know that sounds weird to say it was easy to live in a child because it was not easy. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to hear you say that. that. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful to hear you say that. So you had her for 20 months. You guys um, did the bucket list. You, you know, you, you had the best time possible. Um, and what day did she did she transition to heaven, Lisa? I think this is so powerful. 
She went to heaven two years ago today, mm. March 27th, 2016, on Easter Sunday. I just think that is so incredible. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like God's grace is even in that relocation date, you know, um, knowing that you will see her again and knowing that, um, you know, Easter Sunday represents resurrection. Um, what an incredibly powerful, almost comforting um, date out of all the dates that God could have chosen. I know. That is amazing. So what did that do for you um, when he relocated her on Easter Sunday? No, no doubt it was horrific and um, so, so hard. But what did that what, what did that do for you? I will actually say the day she went to heaven was just the weirdest day of our life. But the coolest thing about the whole day was that she actually died twice. Hmm. Um, the first time I was actually sleeping upstairs because we had to alternate who stayed up all night with her because she just neurologically wasn't able to sleep. And so it was my night to sleep. All of a sudden my phone rings at 501 and my husband has never had to, had never had to call me. I knew something was wrong. So I ran downstairs, and she was gone. And our only prayer this whole time had been, God, if, if you are going to take her before it's time, then please let us all be there and let us be at home. And I wasn't there. So oh initially it was just devastating because I was like, God, that's the one thing that I, I asked for. Um, but 15 minutes later, she took a breath. Wow. And another one, and then her eyes popped open, and we were like, "Oh my goodness, <laughs> you're alive!" So then, of course, we're supposed to go to. It is Easter. Mm-hmm. Are you healed? Like, are you cool? Mm-hmm. Um, hospice came and checked her out, and they said, "We don't know what to tell you because her numbers are great. She looks great, but she wasn't. We knew she wasn't fully healed, but we thought, well, maybe it'll be gradual." So we all just laid in bed together, and we finally fell asleep because it had been a long night. And then at 9 o'clock, 9.01, um, she definitely went to heaven that time. And it was okay. We were able to tell her, like, it's okay. Mm. You can go to Jesus. It's okay. Because we realized God was faithful, mm. and he did allow me to be there. Um, but even looking back at the, the 10 days surrounding her death, we had actually, we were supposed to go to California, and he prevented us three hours before we flew mm. from going. And then my parents were able to fly out last minute. Brennan kept his vacation time. We spent 10 days as a family together. I mean, you look at every little thing, and we detailed all this in the book, and it overwhelmed us with gratitude. Mm. And it was then that we realized that gratitude is truly the basis of joy, but it also is the antidote to grief. Mm. Because we were more focused with awe and wonder on everything that God has so clearly done than we were on the fact that our daughter was no longer in our earthly presence. And that's how we still view it today. I'm not saying we don't ever have emotional moments. Like, we always will. But we're just still so amazed at seeing God's hand in such tangible ways. Mm, wow. Um, we have a couple minutes left. I, 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 that was like the worst transition of all time. Um, so incredibly <laughs> powerful. The book is called Even So Joy. You can pick it up on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble. Um, go out and get this book. I know that a lot of um, even miscarriages are 
so incredibly painful and hard. Um, and if this is your story and you're listening today um, and you you need just some encouragement, I think this would be such an incredible book for you to pick up. Lisa, I can't let you go without um, just asking what has God done in your life since? Because the story is definitely not over. Well, not only is her story in print, but we are actually expecting identical twin boys in April, <laughs> and they are crabby-free. Oh, so right. will not have to deal with anything that she's dealt with. They don't even carry the gene mutation, so they don't have to worry about passing it on to their future children. And so we're so excited to see what God does with them and even just to watch them grow and do things that her that Tori was never able to do. Mm. And wow, that is amazing. Um, congratulations on that. That is, is such a good God. You know, he, he, he restores, you know, um, that's absolutely incredible. When is their, uh, when is their due date? Well, it'll probably be around April 28th. With identical twins, it's kind of a floating. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It could be, between it could be today. That is true. It definitely could be today. You never know with twins. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for being on the show. Guys, go out, pick up her book, Even So Joy. Clearly, her story is um, just so powerful. I think the gratitude as the antidote for grief, that is so powerful. Um, and Lisa, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Of course. And thank you for listening. You can catch me right back here tomorrow on the Autumn Miles Show. Thanks so much for listening today. The Autumn Miles program is listener supported and your donation to keep it on the air is appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And with a $100 donation or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of Autumn's book, Appointed, Your Future Starts Now. Join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on The Word, 100.7 FM.